I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. The Bible has a great deal, and there's going to be a lot of scriptures uh, coming up behind me. I'm going to try to give uh, Sister Davis the opportunity to get them up there. There's some that just follows on top, and I believe it's very important for us to see these scriptures, to read these scriptures, to realize that it's not just a matter of what uh, I'm saying, but this is a matter of what God is saying. Okay, this is God's plan, God's principle. The one thing about finances that has always amazed me, and I've seen it more, more often than not, I know people that are in denominations that do not preach all the truth, but yet they understand the concept of giving, and I see them blessed financially. I've seen that time and again. You know, they're, they're, I, I've, got, I've had people in the past that have, have tithed to this church that's never, never darkened the door. And, and they have been blessed. Now, I doesn't mean they're going to go to heaven. They're not buying their way to heaven. But the fact remains, the principle always holds true. That when you give that principle, that principle holds you. God is going to take care of you. Uh, and that's just the fact. And, and, you know, when it comes again to personal finances, the Bible's got a lot to say about the subject. Because it's God's desire that his people do not fall into the same pitfalls that many in this world fall into. The Bible, the Bible warns us of going into debt and becoming slaves to the borrower. Now, I, I realize that before I say a great deal that there is some debt that is necessary, but you also got to remember that what debt you have, you've got to be able to pay. And, and that's, that's vital for us to come up and understand that. You know, if I, got, if I have to have a mortgage, you've got to be sure that I can pay that mortgage. And so, so this is what I'm saying. And there's a lot of other things that people go into debt for that they don't need to go into debt for. The Word also instructs us on how to live without debt so that we're free to follow the plan of God in our lives. So many people are not free because of debt. They're not able to do some of the things that God wants them to do because they have loaded themselves down with so much debt. His Word also ensures us that if we follow His principles, we'll, we'll have His blessings. God will bless us if we will follow His principles. And you cannot give up on God's principles because things don't go the way that you think they should one day or one week or one month or one year. You continue following the principles of God and God will bless you. It's a lifetime that you look back on. And you look at places where you shouldn't have been able to have done what you did, but God made a way for you to do it. That's what you, you continued, and, you, and you, you act accordingly. These are, these are God's principles. These are not mine. These are not anyone else's. These are God's principles. And in fact, the very basis or foundation for God's blessings on our finances begins with the God-given principle of paying tithes. Now, in several books of the Bible, God tells us to pay tithes. For those who do not know which is, what is meant by the word, or by the giving, rather, of tithe, it simply means that you give to God the first fruits, or the first 10% of your increase. Genesis 14, verse 20. Genesis 14, verse 20. It's going to be coming up behind me, and I'm just being part of it. And he, Abram... 
gave him tithes of all. Now, this is uh, Melchizedek, who he was paying tithes, the king of Salem, who he was paying tithes to. So we see the principle beginning all the way back in the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. Now, look at Proverbs 3, verse 9. Proverbs 3 and verse 9. It says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of part of thine increase. You know, we could really miss having Sister Evans in here. She would have hollered at me immediately on that. She would have, the whole place would have rang. In fact, the chandeliers would have shaken. Okay, well, I'll read that again. Okay. Honor the Lord with thine substance and with the first fruits of part of thy increase. All thine increase. All thine increase. Malachi 3, 8 through 10. Malachi 3, 8 through 10. This is, this is the one that at a very young Christian age always flat scared me to death. <laughs> I hate to use that, but it did. It, it frightened me. Will a man rob God? Question. Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me, he says. But you say, wherein have we robbed you? How in the world, God, did we rob you? In tithes and offerings. Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. What a promise. What a warning. Both right there together. Now these scriptures, along with several others, tell us that we are to first give God the first fruits or the first 10% of all our increase. And as you can see by what we just read in Malachi 3.10, God will pour out His blessings in our lives and in our finances as well. Now this is the principle of first fruits, and it works in every nation, every culture, and every people, whether a person is rich or poor. If this principle is foundational in their lives, God will bless their finances, regardless. If this is a foundational principle, if you live by this principle regardless, then you are bound to be blessed. It, it's interesting. One of the, the places that I, I had a real difficult time one time, and uh, it was in the Philippines, it was in, um, uh, I forget right, the Pestanos, it's their church. It was uh, one of the bigger, the bigger churches in the I went, and I preached there before, but I went and preached. Well, they, they paid me. You know, we, and I, I could not, you know, take this. I couldn't take this money. You know, it wasn't a lot. I forget how many pesos it was. But, it, but regardless, I couldn't take this. And he told me, he said, no. He said, we're going to bless a man of God. And he said, then we'll be blessed. He understood that. He understood that. And, and, you know, for me, the American coming over there, that, you know, we're, we're supposed to help them, them not help us. But he understood the principle. And so by giving to me, he knew that God would give to them. So it, regardless of the culture, regardless of where you are, the principle stands firm. Now, in Acts 10.34, this is it's a good scripture. Acts 10.34 tells us of a truth. Now, I'm just paraphrasing. You're going to see it behind me here. Uh, of a truth. 
He said, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Now, this is concerning the giving of the Holy Ghost. The Gentiles had received the Holy Ghost as well as the Jewish people. Now, he was talking about this, but I, I, I think that this, this, what he's saying here would apply regardless. God is no respecter of persons. If you honor God with your first fruits, then he will bless your life. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It, it, you know, to God, it, it, if you're making $100 a week and you give $10 and you got someone else that's making $1,000 a week and give 100 to God, it, to God, it's both the same. It doesn't matter. To Him, one is just as good as the other. And, and this, again, you've got to get this through your mind immediately. Uh, now, this also means that God requires all believers to give the first 10% of their increase regardless, again, of how much or how little they make. This is a requirement. And this means that all will, will do so and pay the same... They will, excuse me. This means that all who do so pay the same percentage. Everybody gives 10% of their increase. Again, we go back. Whether it's $1,000 you make or $100 you make, it's still the same percentage. Now, let's get into where... If I was in Obama's place... All the government, we'd have us a set flat rate of paying taxes. Isn't that right, Eric? It's the way it should be, isn't it? And if they'd apply this principle to their tax codes, we wouldn't need lawyers to figure anything out. I mean, you realize how much you're paying all these little, these little grubs up there to, to figure out these tax codes that no one in their right mind could ever figure out? And we're paying all this money, and it could just be a flat rate. You know, this, this is what we're going to do. All these thousands of government workers would be laid off. And, and we don't have to worry. I mean, we'd have money in the coffers if we did this. And, and look at making our tax burden shared equally among the citizens. Everybody would pay the same flat rate. Of course, government can't put everybody out of business. That's why they don't want to do that. They know we'd have a... We'd have bread lines in Washington, and a good place for them to be. <clears throat> i got to pray for my leaders. I pray for them, but I can still criticize them if I pray for them, right? Is that the way it says, thou shalt criticize those that you pray for? Okay. <laughs> there are many testimonies of people who were struggling with their finances, unable to pay their bills, when they were first introduced to this principle. Now, I, I've heard it. You have. I've seen it firsthand. People, I... You know, and I'm, not, I'm talking more here, and, and I don't know if we'll get all the way into it or not, but, uh, you know, we can talk about the offerings as well. You know, tithes is required of us, but offerings that go above that. And I've seen people who've, who've given large amounts to this building. And I, you know, I know some of them, been more than one that's done this, but uh, I've seen them, things turn around for them. I, it was, uh, you know, I, I stood back in awe because I... I couldn't believe, that's a terrible thing to say, but I couldn't believe how God operated in this situation because when I looked at them, you can't afford to do this, but they did it anyway. And then God turned this around and made me realize that He is a whole lot bigger than I am or my way of thinking. 
a whole lot bigger, and how he turned us around. And I've, I've seen this. And, and so when I teach the, the, any of these things, I, I've seen it firsthand. I know this is not a matter of me wanting you to give more to the church. I just want you to be blessed. And this is the, really the one way I know that you will be blessed. When you, can do, you pay your tithing, you can go above in your offerings. This is the way to guarantee a blessed life, and I can promise you that. You know, sometimes it just don't make carnal sense that if they, if people couldn't pay their bills with 100% of their income, how in the world can they pay their bills with 90% of their income? In carnality, you, it doesn't make any sense. How can that make sense? But yet it, it happens. By trusting God and paying the first fruits of their increase, these same people are now free from not being, yet, being able to pay their bills. Tithing though it makes no sense to the carnal mind, works because when we obey and do things God's way, we have blessings on it because God is just a fantastic mathematician. He is a great mathematician. Another principle of finance that's found in the Scripture is the law of giving. It is God's desire that His people help one another including helping when there is a financial need. Now, this principle can be applied to individuals, helping other individuals, as well as giving in the churches with such needs as missions, giving, Sunday school needs, home mission works, tithes, offerings, and other such things to promote the gospel. As God has generously given to us, He expects His people to generously give to others. The Bible tells us that if we give to others, God will give to us. That's just that simple. Luke 9.14. Luke 9.14. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. And that works. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 and 7. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 and 7. This is a great one here. He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or out of necessity. Here's some key words. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. How do you get past that one? How do you, when God really lays it in your heart that you need to give such and such amount of money, and that's all the amount of money you're going to have for a week, and it's a Sunday night and you've got to make it till the next Friday, You, you, you've seen it. You've probably done it. You get up here. I, I try not to do that too much. You know, who will give $100? You know, and you got your neighbor standing up, and here you're sitting there, and you got $100 in your pocket. And you know that you need that $100, but, you know, he or she stood up, so I've got to keep up with them. Now, is that the right spirit? That would be giving grudgingly, wouldn't it? But if you popped up first then you would make them feel bad. And that's what you want to do, make them feel bad. (laughs) 
You know, it's doing it cheerfully. It's doing it because I want to see the, the kingdom of God go forward. I, I want to see good things happen. And not only that, I know God's going to take care of me. When you know in your heart that you're going to be fine, when you know in your heart that, that God is going to give it back to you regardless, and maybe it won't be a check tomorrow, but it could be a blessing in so many other ways. Maybe that, that child that you've been praying for for so long goes and prays through the Holy Ghost. You know, it, it, there's so many ways that God can bless you. Maybe it's, it's, you know, that God spares a life and you may not even know that it happened, but there's somehow that God blessed you or blessed somebody in your family because you were able to do something of that nature. God loves a cheerful giver. God's principles always work, even when you do not understand how they work. Now, here's, here's this, this is a key. I don't, don't you love to understand why something happens? Don't you like to dig in and figure out, if I do this, then this is going to happen. So I know that if I always do this this way, I can always expect this kind of result. And you get it all figured out. It worked this way once. And you do it again, and it blows up in your face. Do you think, now just help me with this. Do you think that, now now principles are principles. And they're always going to be the same. But do you think that God, looking down from heaven, looks in and he knows what we're thinking. He looks at what we're thinking, and he, 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 he knows what you're trying to do here. And he just turns it completely around on you, and it doesn't work the same way. Is that possible? Anybody? Do you think God has a sense of humor? What's that? Okay. Like a test. Just to see. And, and there again, it goes back to why am I giving this? I gave last week $100 towards this or that or whatever it may be. And, and you know that two days later I got $200. Now that's some good investment. So I go this week thinking I'm going to have the same thing happen. And God begins to look into my heart and realize the only reason I did it to begin with is so I could double my money. It doesn't happen that way next time. But that doesn't mean that something good didn't happen. How do you put, how do you put money or a financial value on certain things that God does in your life? How do you put financial value on just the fact you get up in the morning and you have joy in your heart? How do you do that? But yet we can. You know, we, we can get up in the morning and know that everything's going to be okay in the Robertson household. You know, it's going to be okay and, 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 and things are going to work out. We can know that. And that's, that's just something you can't buy. And many people, you know, many people, because they, they don't quite understand that they hesitate to, to instill godly principles into their lives until they can understand them. You know, I'm not going to do this until I can understand it. A lot of people think that way. I've got to understand this principle. However, the person who, who does put godly principles into their lives when they are shown them receives the blessings. It's not a matter of understanding them. It's a matter that God showed this to me, that I need to do this, and I need to do it as a result of Him showing it to me, even though it doesn't make a lick of sense. Stepping out by faith, and that's what God always wants us to live by. But yet faith in what? Faith in Him, faith in the principles that He's, he's, he's given us, 
not a matter of, of, you know, some people have got this, what I call a, a false faith. You know, it, it's faith in faith, not really faith in God or in a principle. So it becomes false. And some people live that way. I, I'll touch on that in just a minute. Um, but if you put it in that, in many cases, the understanding of principles can become clear after the person begins to apply them and trust God at His Word. God knows what He's doing, and if we will just simply apply the principle without understanding, sometimes understanding can come later. And sometimes, you, uh, let, me, let me drop this little nugget if I can, if you might consider it so. Sometimes you can understand something without understanding it. Does that make sense? Anybody else understand what I just said? Because I don't understand what I just said. Can you understand something without understanding something? Anybody, can anybody help me clarify what I just said? Go ahead. You still have the peace even though you don't know exactly what's going to happen. And when someone asks you, Dave, why is it that you're always happy? When your car breaks down, <laughs> you know, you're, 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 things are not going right, I'm not making the money I need to make, but yet you still got a smile on your face and you're talking about the goodness of God. See, that doesn't make sense to people. And you can't really, all you can tell them is that, well, I've just got the joy of the Lord in my heart. And it will. It will. And it's, it's so much in the cheerfulness. You know, it's, it's the ability to, to find joy regardless. Just find joy. Got anything? Anything you want to add? And you have to, and you, when you get on that horse, you have to ride it all the way to the end. You don't get off. You ride it all the way to the end. Because you don't know. You don't know how it's going to turn out. I know one thing. We're going to be in heaven one day. And that alone should, should instill some joy in our hearts. That alone should. That, that's, that's good. You just, you just keep going. <clears throat> You know, God, God, what God really is looking for here, and I think that in, in all that he puts us through, if we have to go through anything or we think we do, he's trying to develop a, a Christ-like character in us. Now, you think about this. Jesus is not selfish. He doesn't cheat. He didn't even cheat on his taxes. In Matthew twenty-two twenty-one, he says, Render therefore under Caesar the things which are Caesar's, unto God the things that are God's. So he ain't cheat on his taxes. And I thought everybody's supposed to cheat on their taxes. I thought that was a, a scripture somewhere. 
God wants us to have integrity in our finances. You know, consider some of the following scriptures here. We're going to go through several, and I'm going to give her a chance to get them up. Luke 16, 11 through 12. Luke 16, 11 and 12. If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, which is talking about money here, if you've not been faithful in money, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Because there's a different kind of riches in God's economy. A different kind. And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? If you can't be faithful in something that belongs to someone else, and talking about mammon or money here, he was talking about the fact that if someone else, and we would go back to what we, we talked about before, the talents, the money that was buried. If, you know, if someone gives you money to invest, and you invest it, and they're the ones that reaps all the reward, you've been faithful in that which is another man's. And if you can't do that, he's not going to give you that which is of your own. And Romans 13, 7 and 8. Render therefore to all their dues. Tribute to whom tribute is due. Custom to whom custom. Owe no man anything. And 1 Corinthians 6, 8 through 10. And again, I'm paraphrasing these. And their entirety come up behind me. 1 Corinthians 6, 8 through 10. Nay, ye do wrong and defraud, and that your brethren. Nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now, it goes, it's much more than that up there. But I'm saying it says you cannot defraud someone else. You can't extort someone else. Take someone else, something that belongs to somebody else, because they're not going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. And, and so looking at that, that's why it's, <laughs> you don't rob God. You're extorting God's money. Matthew 5.42. Matthew 5.42. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. That's good, isn't it? Don't turn him away. Unless he's a bum. Now you have to consider what is a bum. Someone comes and wants money from me, and they got two packs of cigarettes in their pocket. That's a bum. When he wants money, and he's got a fifth of whiskey in his back pocket, that's a bum. He got money from me on Tuesday. He's back on Wednesday. That's a bum. <laughs> okay? There's a time when I believe, and I've already taught on that through Proverbs once before, that you just simply, there are some people, the best way to help them is to not help them. I give you that for free. Okay? Romans twelve seventeen, Romans twelve seventeen, provide things honest in the sight of all men. Honest. Exodus twenty two twenty five. This is a very good scripture. Exodus twenty two twenty five. If thou lend money to any of my people that is poor, by thee thou shalt not be to him as a usurer, neither shalt thou lay upon him usury. In other words, you don't get interest on it. Doug wants to borrow money, and I loan him 500 bucks. I say, okay, Doug, but next week at this time, you pay me back 650 That's usury. Okay. Okay, that's, that's what we're talking about. <laughs> All right. And I ask him to seen in the above scriptures, the ones we just read to you, God wants his people to be fair and honest in their finances. These principles are the same whether we're dealing with our brothers or sisters in the Lord or the world or even in our taxes. 
We are to be honest before all men. God blesses those who trust him and apply his principles in their lives. It is God's will that we follow his principles of finances as we are free from the problem of debt and financial difficulties. And if we apply his principles in our lives, we reap his blessings. But too often people, again, have a call of God on their lives but cannot follow it because they're enslaved by their debt and cannot afford to do or go where the Lord would lead them to go. All too often people think that they just made more money, they could struggle with finances. You know, However, in many cases, even most cases, this is not true. Regardless of how much money you make, people still tend to get themselves in deeper debt. Because regardless of how much you make, it's never enough. It's never enough. For many people, a problem is not making enough money, but simply spending much more than they make. When we spend more than we make, we are often forced to borrow, and borrowing is not the will of God for our lives. Proverbs 22, verse 7 says, The rich ruleth over the poor, and the borrower is a servant to the lender. When our finances are in line with God's principles of finances, we will never be a servant to the lender. If we give God the first 10% of our increase, He will bless the remainder. And if we are generous in our giving, God will be generous in going to, uh, excuse me, in giving to us also. And, and if we're honest in our finances, and if we are honest in our business and in paying our taxes, God will bless our finances. If we do these things, God will provide for us. And we can trust Him for this. He will always be there for us. Any questions or comments concerning what I just brought out? Questions or comments about finances? Finances is, uh, you, you know, there are more marriages broken up by finances than, than any, anything else. Uh, there's a lot of divorces as a result of the misuse of money, uh, whether it be men or women. You know, I, I, <laughs> I'm surprised at some of the things through the years that I've seen happen. I, I know one particular case where a, uh, a woman had such a spending issue that she would go buy new dresses or new outfits and hang them in her closet and never take the tags off of them and never wear them and continue. A man told me that his wife had got him into $10,000 worth of debt on one charge card and another 10 on a second charge card doing what I just said. He had to get another job to pay off those charge cards just because she wanted to spend. Now, that, that seems ex- maybe extreme, but think how easy it is just to impulsively buy something. I mean, you see it, and it looks nice, and, you know, you want to drive it, ride it, fish with it, or shoot it. I'm just giving you mine, okay? <laughs> and the thing is, it's just the same as what you've already got. Now, let's move on just a little bit further. Getting out of debt. Um, Lori ought to be teaching this. She's, she knows how to do that. What? Is she just keep getting jobs. That's what you do, right? <laughs> God doesn't want his people. And, and again, when I say he doesn't want us to go in debt, I know there's a certain amount of debt we have to have. More each, even, even a car. It's the, amount, it's the amount of debt that we go in. Being able to pay, because you got we've got to take in consideration, and, and actually the 
I don't believe it's going to affect us, and I still don't believe it's going to affect us. But 2008, we went into recession, and, and the world is still in a recession. And, and you stop and think about it. Look how many people lost their jobs. Um, people, to, you know, Florida is a great uh, example of this. They were building all these houses, expecting all these baby boomers to come down. And all of a sudden, they stopped buying houses and condominiums. And you had all these, these new homes down there sitting empty. And construction just stopped completely. And that, that was, again, 2008. And we're working on 2015. You know, we're, we're, we've been six, seven years into this thing, eight years into this thing. And uh, it's, um, you know, I, I, you can say what you want. God's people don't have to be partakers of it, but neither do they have to get themselves in a mess where they do be, or, or they are partakers of it. So they, 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 you know, they have to watch how they spend because, again, going back to Proverbs NIV, Proverbs 22.7, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower slave to the lender. It's not the Lord's will that his people be slaves to the lender. We shouldn't be slaves to the lender. That, that's not the will of God. And God will. We go back again. God will take care of us if we trust him to take care of us. But it's a matter of trusting. And in order for this to happen, the believer must manage his money according to godly principles set forth in the Scriptures. The Bible has a lot to say, again, about finances. As a matter of fact, there are more than 800 Scriptures in the Bible that deal with financial stewardship. 800. So it's pretty important. The Lord our God is our provider. The Hebrew term for that in the Scripture is Jehovah Jireh. When Abraham was to go to the mount to sacrifice his only son Isaac as a test of his faith and obedience, the Lord showed plainly that he is our Jehovah Jireh. The Lord our God is our provider. And you can see that. I'm not going to read it. You can see that in Genesis 22, 9 through 14. God will provide for all who have put their faith and trust in him. Trusting Him and having faith in Him means to do what He says to do even when we don't understand or even when our feelings or logic tells us something different. Abraham had no idea what God was going to do. He was willing to lay his only son on the altar, trusting that God would do what was best for him. Abraham is our example of faith and trust. We must, we must have that faith and trust in God and lay our finances on the altar, giving them to God. He will then be our Jehovah Jireh, the Lord as our provider. I've always believed this. I've even preached it before. All the time that Abraham and Isaac was going up Mount Moriah, all that time there was a ram coming up the other side. Provision is always coming on the other side if we will just trust. Not only that, he allowed the horns of the ram to get caught in a bush. So God not only brought the thing up there, but he stopped it from going any further than where, he could, where Abraham could see it. So God has always got the provision. It's a matter of climbing the mountain. It's a matter of going through the action and know that God's going to stay the hand before, before anything bad happens. He will always take care of us. And I, you know, I, I'm, I'm one that will tell you I love for God to do things ahead of time. But He doesn't always do things ahead of time. Sometimes you have to wait to the very end of all this to find out what the answer is going to be. But you, believe me, you do and will have a ram's head caught in, the, in a bush somewhere for you if you'll just trust God and believe Him above all else. In the past, we have met people, I have met people, my wife has met people, 
Some of you have met people who believed it was wrong to develop a long-term financial plan. There are some people that believe that. Okay, there are some that they believe that the Lord would provide and there were not and, and there were not trusting God if they stored up for tomorrow or if they planned for retirement or for unexpected emergencies. Now, these people love God and they wanted to live by faith, but they did not understand the scriptures when it came to finances. They quoted scriptures like Matthew six twenty five, where it says, Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. But without considering all the scriptures pertaining to finances, they did not understand what the Lord was saying. God does want his people to have a finance, a financial plan and be good stewards over what he has given us. I want you to look at these scriptures coming up here. Proverbs 6, 6 through 8. This is one of them that I use a great deal and I really believe in it. I, I believe wholeheartedly in it. Uh, always, to me, you could, yeah, it never can do enough when it comes to this, but try to do something. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Observe her ways. Be wise which have no chief officer or ruler, prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. Proverbs 21, verse 5. The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty surely to poverty. Now these scriptures, along with many others, show us that the Lord wants us to plan and use our finances according to His will and His principles. It's his will and his principles. Uh, My wife and I agree on this. I've talked about this many times. There's a lot of people that are in churches that God called them to be kings and not priests. Kings can get out there and can make the money. They can give to the the, the working of God and they can move the work of God forward. But instead, they want to be priests. Who in the world want to be a poor preacher when you could go out and make money? But, you know, it's true. There there is a lot of that. I've seen people, personally seen people, who had the ability to make money. There are some people out there that can just touch something and it turns to gold. And, and, And I've seen them, but they wanted to be the preacher or the pastor when they had the ability to push things forward. And by the most part, these things fail. A lot of times you get into churches, someone who's got a lot of money, they want to run the church. Because they're the one giving the money. Instead of of believing God gave me this ability, this job, whatever it may be that I have this money, then you're able to do something. My goodness, what a blessing a person like that is. You may not agree with that, but it's still the truth anyway. And as, as, as we mentioned in the beginning of this, of this lesson, the Lord does not want us to be slaves to our debtors, or to, our, yeah, to our debtors. Therefore, his people should never be in debt if possible. In today's society where it is taught that you deserve it or you need it or where it is so easy to obtain credit, it's a little wonder why so many people are in debt. It's not God's way, and there are things you can do to free yourself from being slaves to your debt. And, that, and that's, this is the important part here. Most people who are in debt, are in so because of their lifestyle and not because they don't make enough money. People get into debt because they desire things they cannot pay for. They don't want to wait or to, to have what they want immediately. So they, so they borrow money thinking they can just simply pay it back. They do this over and over until they reach a place where they can no longer pay their obligations each month. And that's exactly what happened to our country in 2008. 
Also, as we, as we all know, life is a way of doing the unexpected. For instance, an unexpected recession hits or economy or prices soar due to shortages or rising energy prices. During this time, people who are in debt get hit the hardest. When hard economic times come, these people find themselves uh, you know, in, in great stress. Prices go up, uh, a spouse loses a job or takes a cut in pay, and this, this places unnecessary stress on that family. Financial pressures have been one of the leading factors, I may just say this earlier, in breaking up of families. This should never, ever happen to a, a child of God. This should never happen. There should not be that kind of stress that causes people to have to, to, to a family to break up. It should never happen. First, as we mentioned in the prior lesson about principles of godly finances, pay your tithes. You're never too poor to pay tithes. Tithing is the very foundation of receiving the blessing of God. And when a person pays their tithes, they are obeying the scriptures and beginning to truly trust the Lord for their needs. That's the beginning of the trust. You tithe, then you tell me you trust God when I see you tithe. That's the, that's the purest test of trusting God. <clears throat> so that's the first. And they're, they're trusting. Secondly, we have to pray for God's help and direction with your finances. Commit your financial ways unto the Lord and He will bless you. If you do it God's way and get God's results, it's that simple. Pray for the strength and faith to commit your finances to the Lord. Trust Him completely. Third, this is the one that's tough. Make a budget and stick to it. If anybody doesn't know how to make a budget, Lori doesn't have plenty of time on her hands. She doesn't have anything to do. She'll help you make it, but she will charge you $552.75. <laughs> Many people make a budget, but when the slightest adversity comes, they're quick to panic and go back to violating God's principles of finance and start borrowing again. This is the very thing that, you, that, that got them into the financial mess in the first place. Stay on budget no matter what, and God will be your provider. Psalm 37, 5 says, Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. In other words, commit thy way, mode of action, unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Do it or make it. Let him prove himself to you. Let him prove himself to you. Next, put this budget down on paper. The shortest pencil is longer than the longest memory. I've told Lori that for years. She never had figured it out. I tell my wife that all the time. She doesn't do it either. Still the truth. Write it down. Look at it often. If you're married, go over your budget with your spouse. Agree on the budget. Agree to stick to it. It is necessary that both spouses agree to do this budget together. Pray over it. On a sheet of paper, write down your monthly Income after taxes, your take-home salary. Below that, list all your expenses. Your first expense that you list should be your tithes. Once you have written down all your monthly obligations, add up all the expenses listed and write the total amount at the end of your list. Now subtract your expenses from your net pay, take-home pay minus your tithes. If you have a positive balance, this is the money you have left over at the end of the month. If you have a negative balance, you need help because this shows you do not have enough funds to pay your monthly obligations. 
If you're left with a positive balance, consider applying some or all of that money to your highest interest-bearing bill or the bill that has the lowest balance. This way you will have, you'll be saving money over the long run by either saving money wasted on paying interest or by paying one bill off quickly so you can use that money to apply to another bill. If you have a small bill that can be paid off in the near future, pay that debt, then use that money on another bill, thereby making it a bigger payment to pay the one off earlier than planned. Each time you pay off one bill, add that money to help pay off another. This will get you out of the debt quicker when you pay more than you have to on your bills. This is a snowball effect. And as you are able to put more and more money on a debt, you will shorten the time until you're completely debt-free. Do not reward yourself by going out and buying a new car. Okay? (laughs) Once out of debt, stay out of debt by applying scriptural principles to your buying habits. If you cannot pay for it, you cannot afford it. If you want it, uh, if you want it, save money for it until you're able to purchase the item in cash. You will be surprised how much money that you save on your purchases because now there is no interest charge. Once out of debt, even before then, if you're able to begin to put money aside every month for emergencies, it is recommended by many financial counselors that you put aside a minimum of three months' salary. This can be a cushion for you for you should financial hard times hit or unexpected emergencies occurs. Don't make the mistake some people have made by borrowing this money to, or let me just, loaning yourself this money. I'm going to loan myself this money, and I'll pay it back with interest. You're lying to yourself. You're not going to do it. You're going to eat up your nest egg. It's all gone. You're right back into your old habits again. Lastly, but not, but not in importance, become a giver. Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. The Lord blesses people who give, and when you're generous with others, God is generous to you. Give and it shall be given to you. I've already quoted that scripture to you once. And also, God loves a cheerful giver. I've quoted that once. Not a foolish giver, a cheerful giver. God has principles of giving as well as financial management. Give according to the leading of the Lord and not according to your emotions. Let the Lord direct you in your giving. Sometimes people pledge funds that they, when they're moved with emotion, this is not of God. We should, we should, it's not of God at all. We should give as the Lord directs us to give. And that's, that's a key because I've seen people, it's happened here. You know, you, you, you're making pledges. And, and, you know, by the most part, we got, and I've already said this, we got all of our, our pledges from August, and I probably will do that again here before much longer. We get some things running again. But most, by the most part, but I've seen people that have pledged and not give. Now, you've made a vow to God, and you've broken that vow. So when you make a pledge, you're making a vow. When you break that vow, you're in trouble. So your finances will be, you can be cursed as a result of what, what, doing something like this. So let the Lord direct you, not emotions. Okay? That's good preaching. Thank you. Sometimes our heart goes out to people who are struggling financially. Now, this is normal. And this is good. However, some people struggle with finances because they continually violate God's principles of finances. When this happens, just giving them money is not helping them. They need help learning how God wants them to use their finances. Pray and ask, uh, and, and, and ask God. Uh, you know, uh, ask God. Well, and, and something else. Let me, just, let me give it to you. Sometimes if you see that need, talk to me. Sometimes that's the best way of doing it. And if you're under a pastor's authority and he says, 
that's not wise to give that money. You don't have to know why. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? If I know somebody's struggling, but I also know why that person's struggling. And there's another person sitting there that you never know is struggling that really is struggling. I might redirect you. Sometimes it's wise. I've seen people that are professional getting money out of other people. And I hate to say it, but I've seen them full of the Holy Ghost doing that. Now, let's be honest, all right? Let's be honest. So it's wise to check in on things before you do it. God's Word is full of Scripture pertaining to finances, and we are wise when we put these principles into our everyday life. Debt is a normal way of life for most people in today's society. However, it should not be normal for God's people. God is our provider. He'll take care of us, and if we trust Him and do things His way, handling our finances according to the Word of God is very, very spiritual. You're talking about spiritual things. Handling money is a very spiritual thing if you handle it correctly. All right, stand with me if you would. Questions or comments or complaints about anything that has been said, uh, I am right. And if you want to argue with that, there's no sense in arguing because I'm right because it's biblical. All right? All right. All right. Anybody? Laurie, do you have anything to add? You're a great financial counselor. Okay. And I just, because she's an egghead, I just want to help you a little bit. She will say that and she will help you. But she does need to have time to sleep occasionally. So that means that, you know, she works day and night all the time. So don't take up all of her time. Let her work out, help you work out a budget, and don't be bothering her afterwards. Just abide by it, okay? That's good preaching, isn't it? Thank you. Somebody's got to protect you constantly. You just don't know when to say no. <laughs> but she is very good at it. She is very good at, at doing that. And uh, she's one of those people that can take a dollar and stretch it a long way. And Darla is also very good at that. Yeah, you are. I know more than you think I know. Connie, she spends everything she gets all the time. <laughs> oh, Let's raise our hands to the Lord right now together. Father, we thank you for your blessings. Bless each and every one. Be with them. Bless their finances. Help them, Jesus, in the time and realize, God, that you truly do love a giver. And I pray, let that spirit of giving get on each and every one of us, I ask here in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord bless you.